So, what is Screwtape's counsel to Wormwood? How do you neutralize, how, how do the demons neutralize someone who is showing some interest in Christianity? Don't let him do anything about it. Keep it out of his will, Screwtape says. And we'll come back to Screwtape in just a bit. Now, last week, um, we, we, brought from, we came from John 1 up to John 3, and we made just a few brief points, and I just want to, to remind you some of the things we saw there. Jesus transcends the prophets, that being John the Baptist. He transcends Judaism and the temple as He cleaned the temple. He transcends religion as He began to talk to Nicodemus. And that religion would not save anyone. Jesus transcends religion, even pseudo-Christianity. And we, we saw uh, the, five, the five men that, that followed Christ. I think it was in John chapter 2. Um, and we said that Jesus transcends all your previous plans. Amen? Those of you who've met Him, those of you who know Him, you know once you meet Christ, all your previous plans are now subordinate to His plan. So He supersedes and transcends all your previous plans once you come into relationship with Him. In our text tonight, John 3, 9-21, Jesus continues to teach Nicodemus about true salvation. We heard it last week. You must be born again. Religion is about something that man does. Biblical Christianity is about what God does. This is the distinction between all the world religions and biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity stands alone. You can't save yourself. It doesn't matter how much religion you do. It's what Jesus told Nicodemus. This perfect Jew... You can't save yourself, Nicodemus. You must be born again. This is big, beloved. This is huge. This is... It doesn't get any bigger than this. God demands that we will honor Him in the salvation of His people. And I told you last week, nobody in this church takes any credit for anybody that gets converted apart from God. It's the supernatural, sovereign work of God. It's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. It's what we heard Him clearly say. It's all over the New Testament. <laughs> it's all over the New Testament. Yeah, Nicodemus was a perfect Jew, man. He was a VIP in Jerusalem, son of Abraham, circumcised on the eighth day, a Pharisee, an expert in religious law. In fact, if you'll notice in verse 10, Jesus says, are you the teacher of Israel? He's not just a teacher. He's one of the teachers. He's at the top. As we talked about last week, he's at the top of the food chain. He's a member of the religious council, the Sanhedrin. He probably would have been voted most likely to impress God. And when he steps in front of God, and I think, I think uh, Nicodemus is probably thinking, hey, I'm, I'm probably pretty good. I'm probably you know, not too far away from being in that right spot with God. And he steps in front of God incarnate. Jesus says, man, you're nowhere. You're nowhere, Nicodemus. You're nowhere. 
You know, people all over the world are all puffed up in their religion. And it's a stench in the nostrils of God that any man would think he can make himself acceptable to God by his religious works. You know, if you still hold on to that vague notion, you have no idea what the Bible says about him or what the Bible says about you. Beloved, you need a Savior. You must have a Savior. You must be born again. You remember what Jesus told the Pharisees? We mentioned it last week in Matthew 23. He said, you're whitewashed tombs, man. He says, you're inside-out guys. Pardon me, you're outside-in guys. You're outside-in guys. You're just, you're just putting paint on a tomb. You're full of dead men's bones. You have to be an inside-out guy. This is what Christianity is, an inside-out guy. It's what Jesus is talking about. Religion is like curing cancer, trying to cure cancer with a tan. It's impossible. It can't be done. I tell you all the time that God hates religion. I, I thought I'd give you the text. I mean, there are many, but this is one of my favorite. Amos chapter 5, verse 21 to 23. God says, I hate I reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies, even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. I told you last week, if you came in here last week religious, I hope you left irreligious. I hope you're not looking at your religion and trusting in something you did or something your pastor had you pray or some ordinance or some sacrament. Beloved, not only is that false, it's blasphemous to God. God says, I save my people. I do it. I do it. He gets all the glory for it. You don't get any. The pastor doesn't get any. Nobody gets any. God gets it. It's His glory. Anybody that ends up in heaven, it's for the glory of God. It's not for your glory. You were dead. We talked about it uh, young and old Bible study. What does a dead man do? Someone tell me what a dead man can do. He can do nothing. God means for you to understand the imagery. You are helpless without Him. You must have Him. You know... Uh, it grieves. It just grieves your soul when you see the superficiality in much of the modern church. It's like we have. It's like we have no real understanding of how awesome this is. Someone said to me earlier, "It's a good day to be alive." It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be born again. Amen. <laughs> what else matters? What else matters to you but to be born of God, to know your Maker, to be in relationship with your Redeemer? What else could possibly matter in comparison to that? Nicodemus acted like he didn't know. He should have known. This permeates the Old Testament just quickly. Ezekiel 36 I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. 
So I'm going to pick up here at verse 9, chapter 3 of John. Nicodemus answered and said to him, Jesus just told him, the wind blows where it wishes. The Spirit of God is like this. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So, is, so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus says, how can this be? Uh, verse 10, Jesus says, uh, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these spiritual realities? Listen, beloved, I run into people all the time. They've been in church all their lives and they don't know this. And I'm thinking, how is it possible for you not to know you have to be radically changed by the Spirit of God? You are not like the world anymore. And if, you, and if your life is still like the world, you have not been changed. It's what 1 John is all about. Go read 1 John, five chapters of this is what it looks like to be a Christian. Beloved, it doesn't get any weightier than it is for us, each of us, as we hear the words of Jesus in John chapter 3. We're talking about eternal life and eternal death. So, I challenge you to remove all lesser concerns from your mind for the next 30 minutes. We're talking about eternal life and we're talking about eternal death. It's what John 3 is about. What does the Bible mean when it says we must believe seven times in 11 verses, Jesus is going to tell this religious man, you've got to believe. Now, Nicodemus obviously believes a lot of things, right? But Jesus said, you've got to believe the most important thing. You've got to believe the non-negotiable thing. You've got to believe seven times in 11 verses. What does it mean to believe? What is the Bible saying when it challenges us to believe well we know what it doesn't mean we mentioned it last week it doesn't mean we agree with historical facts satan agrees with the historical facts satan believes every word in the bible he believes it more than you he shut he shudders and he shakes and he trembles at the word of god he knows it's true he knows it's true this is not what the bible means when it says believe Oh, I give mental assent to facts. It's n that's not what it means. That's clearly not what it means. Genuine believing, as the Bible talks about it, is a palpable, tangible, observable, recognizable, conspicuous change of life. We talked about it last week. There's a change in the affections. And when there's a change in the affections, you know, Jesus didn't used to be interesting to you, and now He's the most interesting person there is. So the affections have changed. And when the affections change, the whole life changes. I used to love my sin, now I hate it. I used to be indifferent toward Jesus, now I love Him. It's the new birth, beloved. It is the new birth. So, I love to quote Sarah Grove. She's an American singing artist and she wrote this beautiful line. She sings it. She says, something changed in me and it's broken open and it's spilled out in my life. This is conversion. It spills out of your... You can't hold it in. Even if you tried to hold it in, you couldn't hold it in. It spills out. 
<laughs> the greatness of God spills out. The life of God spills out. You can't hold it in. James 1, 22. Real Christians, what? Do the Word. So what does it mean to believe like Jesus is talking about? It means you become a lover and a doer of the Word. We're not talking about perfection. None of us achieve perfection or even get close to perfection, but our, effect, our affections have changed and we love the truth of God and we seek to incarnate the truth of God. We are doers of the Word. And you remember what James says about those who hear the Word but don't do it. Anybody remember? They are what? Anybody? Deluded! If you call yourself a Christian, you hear the Word, you may even read the Word, but you don't do the Word, the Holy Spirit says you're deluded. It's what the, God, it's what the, the Word of God says. I said it to you last week, Titus 3.5. He, this being God, saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done, but according to His mercy by the washing of of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus last week, you must be born of water and Spirit. We said for sure this reference to water has nothing to do with baptism. And if you missed last week, you can go download the sermon. It has nothing to do with baptism. It's a reference to the spiritual cleansing that only God can give and the spiritual life that only God can give. We are Protestants. You know, it's like... Much of the modern church forgot that there was a Reformation. There was a Reformation for a reason. Okay? There's a Reformation for a reason. The Catholics were adding something to Christ. And the Protestants are saying you can't add anything to Christ. It's not Jesus plus Mary and Jesus plus the church and Jesus plus the sacraments to be saved. No, no, no! The Bible says Jesus is enough. Jesus is all you need. So don't let anybody fool you or mislead you. Hey, there was a bloody reformation for a reason. Okay? Most of the modern church has forgotten their church history. Okay? Go read Galatians. <laughs> Paul says, how dare you add anything to Jesus Christ? It's really much of what the New Testament is about. People trying to add to Jesus. So, faith without works, someone tell me, you know it. It's worthless, useless, and dead. These are the words of, of the Holy Spirit, James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead and useless. I've always loved Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. It's my favorite paraphrase of his. As he paraphrases James 2.17, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Amen? Isn't it obvious? If we've actually read our Bibles with only average comprehension skills, if you're a Christian, a real one, it's all changed. And it's outrageous nonsense. God talk without God acts? It's outrageous nonsense. He's, he, he nailed it, man. 
It is outrageous nonsense. So seven times, 11 verses. Jesus says, Nicodemus, you religious man, you got to believe, man. you got to believe. Three times it's a present active participle, which means you got to presently, actively, continually believe. It's not just, I made some confession at one time, I prayed some prayer at one time, I'm good to go. No. What does the Bible mean when it talks about believing? It says you're still believing. You're still loving. You're still doing. You're still holding on to God. His Word is alive in you. Your family sees it. Your work co-workers see it. Your friends see it. Presently, actively, continually believing. What does Jesus say? We, we touched on it last week. Luke 8, 21, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Luke 6, 46. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll keep my Word. John 14, 15, and 23. And John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus actually fleshes this out. Look, look, drop down to verse 21. He, said, he fleshes it out right here. But he who practices the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. <laughs> okay? So Jesus, even, even here in John 3, Jesus fleshes that out for us. You get down to verse 11. Uh, let me read that for you. Tr again, this is the third time we've seen truly, truly in the last five or six verses. What does it mean? You, those of you who were here last week, truly, truly, what does it mean? This is really, really, really important. Get this. Don't miss this. This is non-negotiable. This is imperative. This is the third time he said it in the chapter. So are you getting some small sense of how important this, these words are of Jesus? Verse 11, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that which we know and bear witness of, that which we have seen, and you do not receive our witnesses. What's he talking about here? Well, I think there are uh, dual meanings here. I think first and foremost, he's talking about the, the reference, or pardon me, the witness of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But also, I think he's re referring to his disciples. Nicodemus is rejecting the, the, the Trinitarian witness and, and he is rejecting the, the witness of Jesus' disciples. I, I believe that's what he's talking about here in verse 11 when he uses the word our. And Nicodemus has been effectively saying, I don't get it, I don't get it. This is always the pseudo-intellectual pseudo argument. It's never about understanding. Karen's working with someone just now. Um, via email and text. It's not about understanding. It's a moral decision. It's not an intellectual, a purely intellectual decision. It's a moral decision. I reject Christ. I told Karen, I said, you know, unless you sense the Spirit of God working in someone's life, um, you, you know, um, yeah, you can, you can debate with them for the whole rest of your life. And I'm not saying you should completely stop, but I'm saying, hey, let's just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just continue to pray. We'll express love and continue to pray. But you know what I'm talking about, folks that are argumentative. It's, and it's not an intellectual issue. It's always a moral issue. It's not that men don't know. It's that men do know. They know Jesus Christ is God. Every man knows it. All you have to do is read Romans 1. It's true. 
You don't have to convince anybody that Jesus is God. They already know He's God. It's just that they reject Him as God. So, you know, really, we got everything going for us. <laughs> All we have to do is, is share the truth and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. So, um, yeah. Nicodemus says he doesn't get it. Jesus says, no, that's not the problem. The problem is you don't believe it. That is always, always the problem. We talked about it last week. Religion's easier. It's just easier to do religion, right? Isn't it easier to do religion than to walk with God? Isn't it easier to just show up for, for church a couple hours a, a week and maybe go to a Bible study or, or you, know, you know, do whatever you do during the week? And isn't that easier than walk with God? Because when you walk with God, you never know what's going to happen next. You never know what He's going to do next. You never know what He's going to require of you next. You never know what He's going to call you to do next. And my testimony to you has always been, hey, man, that's the most fun life there is. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter if you know or don't know. God can be trusted and He'll give you the ride of your life. He is the best ride. In the cosmos. Verse 12. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So, Nicodemus, again, um, Jesus says, I don't, I don't think you're up to it, man. You, you're not hearing me. You think this is an intellectual discussion. You don't believe, is what the Lord Jesus, in effect, is saying. Verse 13, And no one has ascended into heaven, but He who has descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. Jesus is simply saying, nobody's ever gone up and gotten truth. I've brought it down. Nobody's gone up. No religion uh, has ever gone up and gotten truth from God. I'm bringing it down. It's all He's saying. I'm God incarnate. I'm bringing it down to you. Son of Man. What does it mean? He's simply saying, I'm 100% human. That's what that phrase means. It's used 88 times in the New Testament. Son of Man. That title for... It's, 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 a, it's a reference to Daniel 7. It's a prophecy of, of Jesus Christ. And He owns it. He's God and He's man. 100% God. 100% man. We've talked about that many, many times. So, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. We must believe His witness. His witness. And if you don't believe His witness, eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow you will die eternally. But believe His witness and you will begin to live now. You don't have to wait till you die. <laughs> you know, the true believer begins to live now. Right? We live now. We're alive. Wherefore I was blind, now I see. Verses 14 and 15, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes may, uh, may in Him have eternal life. So you guys know, most of you guys are familiar with this reference uh, that he brings up here with regard to uh, the wilderness and the serpent. Numbers 21, the the people spoke against God. God sent snakes as a judgment. 
The snakes were biting the people. The people were dying. The people cried out to, to God through Moses. God inter- uh, pardon me. Moses interceded. God said, told Moses to put a golden serpent on, on, a, on a pole. And when the people looked in faith, they would be healed. And Jesus is saying, that's who I am. You've got to look to me. And I listened to Piper on this. and I really love what Piper says. You know, when you tell somebody they've got to be born again and they're going, what? And this happens a lot to me. I don't know how you witness. But I say, you've got to be born again. They go, what? What does it mean? <laughs> and it's mysterious. I get it. But I love what Piper said. He said, this is what you say to someone who says, what? You say, look at Christ. Look at Christ. Jesus is saying, you've got to look at me. Just like the Jews in the wilderness looked at the serpent on the pole. You have to look at me. Look at me. Look at the historical facts about Jesus Christ. Look at them. And you decide, is He God or not? You decide. He is God whether you decide for or against. He is God. But you decide if you're going to submit to His Lordship or not. So, Jesus says that you may have eternal life. And beloved, I've told you this many times, this is not simply duration. This is breadth and depth and height. It's God-sized life. Are you kidding me? You love something on the earth more? Seriously? I just have to challenge you lovingly. Are you kidding me? You're more excited about something on the earth than you are excited about the life of God forever and ever and ever? Do you see what an insult this is to God? God says, here I am. Why then will you die? No, my career's more important. I'm thinking, are you... Seriously? Your career's more important? Well, I, I have to save up so much money for my retirement. Really? Your retirement's more important? Your job security's more important? Beloved, we're not thinking properly or rightly if we don't understand that Jesus Christ He's the most important thing or person in your life. And if you don't understand that, again, you've not understood what the Bible is saying about who He is and about how badly you need Him. Verse 16, most famous verse in the Bible, I presume. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 1 John 4.8 tells us that God is love. Not simply that God loves, but God is love. God's love is pure. It's perfect. It's eternal. It's infinite. It's gracious. It's holy. But here's where much of modern humanity presumes on God. They hear this verse and they go, oh, He's like my grandfather. He's going to love me no matter what. I can get away with murder. He won't care. He's, you know, this is like human sentimentality. Maudlin sentimentality. He's amiable. It's okay. At the end of the day, He's not going to hold my feet to the fire. That's an American uh, figure of speech. He's not going to hold it against me. He'll wink at my sin. He loves me. 
You know, this is where much of, again, modern humanity presumes on God. Beloved, read your Bible. He is not an indulgent grandfather. The Bible is clear. This verse doesn't say that God so loved you that He ceases to be righteous and holy. That He ceases to be angry with your sin. That He ceases to judge those who have rejected His Son. That He simply gives a free pass to everyone because He's such a cuddly, oh, grandfatherly figure. This is the wrong image of God. Listen, you, you, you can't know who God is if you're not reading this and knowing this. If you're listening to the world, you're going to get a false view of God. And you're going to think, His wrath is not so bad. And you're going to think, My sin is not so bad. What do you think the cross was about? How bad is the wrath of God? His Son bled out for the wrath of God. How serious is your sin? His Son bled out because your sin is so serious. Don't let the world tell you. Don't let the world tell you a lie. God's wrath will be poured out on His enemies. If you believe the Bible, then you understand that that is true. We've talked about it many times. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. You've earned your wages. You have earned your wages. But isn't this a beautiful thing? Whoever believes... This is an open call to all to come. It's an open call to all. Come! Come! Why then will you die? Here I am. Come! Come! And mankind, more or less, the vast majority of mankind, more or less, says, I'm going to do this other thing. I'd rather do this other thing. You know, my, my... Having a marriage is more important. Having a child is more important. These are great blessings, but they can't be more important, beloved. God says, here I am. And much of mankind says, man, not interested. I'd rather chase something in the world. I'd rather chase something in the world. But I want you to understand, this is a free offer of grace to all who will come. No man will stand before God on the last day and say, I didn't get it. I didn't have a chance. All you got to do is go read Romans 1, 2, and 3. You'll understand who you are, who I am before God. There'll be no excuse before Him. Whoever believes, what does it mean to believe? Presently, actively, continually believing. It's a living, active, functioning, doing, committed faith. Faith without Works is dead and useless. You say, Jim, I have faith. I say, well, show me your faith. How can I see your faith? Where is your faith? The world's supposed to see your faith, beloved. And then they're supposed to ask you, why do you live like that? Why do you talk like that? Why do you refuse to do that with me? What's up with you? What's wrong with you? And that's your chance, <laughs> right? To talk to them about Jesus Christ. And what does the verse say here? You know, some people, John 3.16, John 
people want to turn this into like a universalism kind of thing. But, you know, if you can read on a second grade level, you realize that's not what's being said here. Um, the verse says about those who believe they will not perish. So what is the implication for those who don't believe? Someone tell me. Anybody taking uh, first freshman year logic? What is it? If you don't believe, you will perish. What, is it, what does the Bible mean when it talks about perish? It's talking about the second death. What is the second death? What is it? Eternity in hell. Jim, don't preach that. I don't like it. Well, it's why most churches don't talk about hell much, but I challenge you, go read the Gospels. Jesus talked more about it than anybody else. You know why Jesus talks about hell? Because it's real. Right? It's real. And millions of people are going there. Millions of religious people are going there. There's a good chance that some of you will go there. Okay? Because you're playing, game, you're playing some kind of game with God. And we talked about it last week. Are you earnestly seeking Him? Do you understand your dire consequence? Your dire circumstance? You say, Jim, you're preaching pretty strong. I know. I love you. You know, if you want to be entertained, don't you probably, yeah, we don't do that here. And if you want me to stroke you, if you want me to tickle your ears, you know what? I love you too much to waste your time. When you get to a text like John 3, you got to preach it, man. You got to preach it. And so that's what I am attempting to do. Jesus says, whoever believes presently, actively, continually will not perish. They will have eternal life. But whoever does not presently, actively, continually believe, they will perish eternally. This is the Word of God. Verses 17 and 18, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Again, some are trying to turn this text, if you take a couple of verses here out of context, uh, into a passage for universalism. But verse 16 clearly says that we must believe or we will perish. And verse 18 says some are judged already. This cannot be used to justify some kind of universal salvation. Jesus says He has come to save and make the offer of salvation. And He's come to judge all who have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Verse 18. God is love and God is wrath. You say, Jim, I, I, that, there's a tension in that. Of course there's tension in that. He's God. He's an infinite being. You can't fully dissect and parse and comprehend God. God is love. God is wrath. He's both things. He's revealed it clearly to us. And He's saying, you got to believe or you will perish what the Lord God is saying to us. You've got to believe presently, actively, continually, 
or you will be judged. This verse 18 here is courtroom language because you and I will be in the courtroom of God. <laughs> and Jesus is our advocate. If we indeed are Christians. Did you notice it says they are already judged. Those who do not believe are already judged. You know what that means? It means wrath is resting upon every human being. We fell in Adam. And you say, Jim, I don't like that doctrine. Well, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's what the Bible teaches. You fell in Adam. And if you don't like that, well, just go home and look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. If you've ever sinned, then you have fallen yourself. If there's one here that is sinless, I want to talk to you after the service, okay? I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to meet you. I'd like to get to know you better. Well, there's no such man. There's no such woman. Verse 19 and 20. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. So, we see the interworkings of unbelief here. Jesus is revealing ourselves to ourself, right? Why do we not believe? Why, why, those who don't believe, why do they not believe? They hate Christ. John has already told us that Christ is the light. You say, Jim, I don't hate Him. I just, you know, I can barely squeeze Him into my life on Sunday. The Bible says that mankind, natural man, hates Christ. He hates the light. He runs from the light. It's why some of you have family members who won't tolerate you anymore because you're a Christian. And they don't like the light coming off of you. It happens. Jesus told us that it would happen. Again, John 1.4, Jesus Christ is the light and the life. He's the light, the sum of all truth. I was listening to Piper on this text. He said, you know, he's the sum of all truth. You can do algebra without Jesus, but you won't understand algebra without Jesus. Algebra is about Jesus. You know, I like to read science. There's this mathematical subtext to all of creation, <laughs> right? Which I love. The consummate physicist, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the sum of all truth. He is the sum of all truth. Men hate the light. You guys know John 8.12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But men love darkness. They have a love affair with darkness. And they don't want to be exposed because their deeds are evil. They don't just have a love affair with themselves and with their sin. They, they, they have this love affair with being hidden. But what does God say? He sees everything. <laughs> he knows your thought before it's on your tongue. You can't hide anything from God. You can hide it from me. 
Sometimes you can hide it from your spouse for a while. Usually your spouse finds out. But you can't hide it from God. You are exposed. If you don't know Christ, you are exposed. Your sin is exposed. You must have Christ as a Savior. I'm not going to read it for sake of time. Romans 1. I just invite you to go there. Um, it talks about, you know, you have to know this. That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature being clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse, for even though they knew God, they did not honor God, nor give thanks to God, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is mankind. Okay? This is mankind. This is why we are already judged. Jesus has come to offer salvation, but we are already judged. And if we don't believe, then that judgment continues to rest upon it. Verse 21, But he who practices the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Jesus says it seven times in the previous ten verses and then He fleshes it out. Someone tell me from the text, who is the man that comes to the light? He is the man that what? He practices the truth. The verb is presently, actively, continuously. I'm not talking about perfection. But the true believer is in the world doing the Word. He's in the marriage doing the Word. He's at work doing the Word. He's on the internet, you know, whatever he's surfing, he's doing the Word. It's what Christians do. They practice the truth. They love the light. Yes, we can fall into grievous sin, but we hate it. And by the power of God and His Spirit, we will come out of sin. But I love this. Look what he says. He, said, he says, man, when you practice the light, we're going back to, you know, you must be born again. When you practice the light, you see that the deeds have been manifested, they have been wrought in God. God has done a thing. God has done a thing. When you're reflecting the light of Christ in the world and you're doing the, the, you're doing the Word, it's, it's obvious to the world that, that God has done something in you. Obviously, you can fool people. You can be religious and play games. But over the long term, if you persevere, yeah. God gets the glory. He did it. God did it. Listen, uh, if you don't get anything else out of John 3, God did it. Be humble. Be thankful. Rejoice. Give thanks. God did it. If you're saved, God did it. If you're not saved, God says, Here I am. Why then will you die? The man who lands in hell, the man or woman who lands in hell, all the guilt is on them. The offer's been made. Okay? The offer's been made. So, Wormwood, pardon me, Screwtape told Wormwood, just don't let him do anything. 
It's okay. He can talk about it all. Just don't let him do anything. The demons know. C.S. Lewis is putting it in the demon's mouth. The demons know. If you don't live it, you don't believe it. The demons know. Let him play church with it. But don't let him live it. So I ask you, are you a believer? The way the Bible talks about being a believer, we're not talking about historical facts, believing historical facts. Satan believes that. Are you a believer? Presently, actively, continuously, trusting, believing, loving, obeying, worshiping, treasuring, adoring Jesus Christ. That's what it means. That's what it means. Let me close with 1 John. Chapter 2, verses 3-5. through five. Powerful text. Listen to it. By this we know that we have come to know Him, that being Jesus, if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I've come to know Him and does not keep His commandments, he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His Word, in Him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in Him. Jesus says, you must believe. And the Holy Spirit says through John, this is how you know if you believe. You're a word-doer. <laughs> You're a word-doer. You bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ as you do His Word. And people say, why do you live this way? Well, let me tell you about my awesome God. You must believe. Jesus tells the most, one of the most religious men who ever walked the planet, you must believe. You must believe. Presently, actively, continuously believe. It's the Word of God, beloved, from John 3. Let's pray together. Thank <laughs> you.